You are listening to a Hillbilly Horror Stories classic episode. Dana and Caitlin from Melbourne, Australia, and you're listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories. Cowboy. Cowboy. Hey, welcome to episode 47 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. My name is Jerry. Hey guys, how y'all doing? That would be Tracy. I figured they might know that by now. If somebody new to the show might not know that. Oh, hey, I'm Tracy. Nice to meet you. <laughs> what we're going to do uh, tonight is something a little bit different. And by that, I mean not different at all. What the heck does just, that even mean? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh. But what we got is, um, you notice the intro was a little bit different because we had two intros. I know. That was so really both, cool. Both are from Australia. And we're doing that for two reasons. First and foremost, we would have just used the first one, Hayden. I thank you for that, Hayden, for our Australian story that we're doing second of all tonight. But I had some help on that story by a uh, longtime listener, Dana Lee Gleason. So I thought it would be cool to play her intro that we played. I think it was the first or second one we did back when we first started doing those intros a few months back. Mm-hmm. Very so cool. I thought it'd be cool to just do both of them since they're both Australian. And, Why not? Uh, she helped. That's Why what not? I say. And through a little in excess in the middle. Oh, yeah. Now do, we, do, do, do. We finished up with uh, uh, some Kid Rock uh, Cowboy, which is because we're going to do the first story tonight is The Legend of Bodie, which is actually a uh, cursed ghost town. Nice. So thought that would kind of fit in there. You don't like some good Kid Rock anyway. That's right. For everybody in the uh, U.S., happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July, yo. And for everybody... Uh, outside of the U.S., happy uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, whenever you're listening to this. Because <laughs> we don't know when your holidays are. <clears throat> well, we know you don't celebrate the 4th, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's dumb. <laughs> oh, wow. That's funny. I didn't even think about that. We're going to do the shout-outs in between the two stories. In-betweeners? Yep. And we have, these are actually longer stories. This could end up, when it's all said and done, being our longest show. 
Die. So a lot of people will be happy about that. And with a holiday coming up, you'll get plenty of time to listen. So don't bitch gripe and complain that we're not doing uh, enough longer shows because this one's going to be pretty long. I don't know what he's talking about. Um, also want to point out that we did put out the uh, Patreon episode. So that's out there if you're just listening. For some reason, you missed it on the uh, special feed or on the Patreon page for the listeners episode. Really cool stories on there. So that was fun. I'm really full. Okay. I just felt like saying that. And I really didn't eat a lot today. Um, I kind of think you did. I did not. I had a piece of cake and a burger. That's all that. Oh, wait. I had breakfast burrito. <laughs> you had a breakfast burrito. You had a piece of cake. You had a burger. You had a whole bag of cotton candy, which, <gasps> by the way, you shouldn't have had. Oh, don't tell on me. No, I'm telling on you. Let me explain to you what happened, guys. We went to my grandson's birthday party, our grandson's birthday party, but... It was a Chuck E. Cheese. And at the end of it, they brought out all these little bags of, of cotton candy to distribute to the children. Mind you, I said, the children. I'm a children. They set them on the table. Well, because they didn't get snatched up quick enough, Tracy just decided to take one and start eating it. And then uh, <laughs> when my soon-to-be daughter-in-law comes around and says, Hey, did uh, Logan get his cotton candy? Tracy... Hides it under her, the table in her lap and says, yes, he came and got it, <laughs> which he did not come and get. So just so you know what kind of person you're dealing with on the other end of this microphone, Aww. she was still cotton candy from a little, little, uh, child. Well, you threw me under the bus, so it all evened out. And, <laughs> and I got his a bag of cotton candy back. Yeah, we did get the cotton, cotton candy back so, and got another bag. I can't help it, he's slow. <laughs> 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 All right, let's jump into this. Um, I don't know how many people have actually heard of the Curse of Bodhi. I know a lot of people have, but I, I think there's probably just as many people, if not more, that haven't heard about it. And I think that's what really makes this a cool story. And the second story we're going to do is the Monte Cristo Homestead, which is actually the most haunted house in all of australia so we've got two good ones for you tonight both of these should have been stories on their own but i felt like the last couple of weeks uh maybe the show was just a little bit shorter than i wanted them to be so i thought we'd make it up for you this week so hopefully that'll be uh sufficient for you guys yeah if not what do you want from me (laughs) 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 all right well let's jump into this they want you not to throw me under the bus about the cotton candy i threw you under the bus and then i backed over you you did. You ran on me like three yeah, times. I threw the bus driver out and jumped behind it, even though I don't know how to ride, drive a stick that well. Uh, well, you shouldn't have said that on the air. No. It's just, it is what it is. This is an open forum. Okay, go ahead with your story. I All won't right. interrupt no more. So, Bodie is actually the largest unrestored ghost town in America. What does that mean? That means they want to leave it like it is. Pretty much. So, it means it's been maintained... Now, they've put in, like, new windows, but they haven't touched the wood or the exteriors. It's it's just been whatever it takes to keep it from falling down. So that's what this is. Now, it's in um, the Bodie Hills east of the Sierra uh, Nevada Mountains, 75 miles from Lake Tahoe. Now, most people know where Lake Tahoe is, or they've heard of Lake Tahoe. Mm-hmm. I'd like and, to go there one day, man. Yeah, that's fantastic. And it was designated as a National Historic Landmark in 1961. In 1962, it became Bodie State Historic Park. And at that point in time, there was about 170 buildings remaining. 
these are still upstanding, you know. That's those, incredible. But, well, it's going to be really incredible when we get a little later in the story. We'll talk okay. about uh, uh, some other parts of it. That's amazing why it is actually is still standing. Now, California official state gold rush ghost town. How about that? That was pretty good, actually. Yeah. It's the California official state gold rush gold town. Good job. I don't know how many of those there were, but well, there had to be plenty because that's where most well, of the yeah. gold rush mm-hmm. was. In 1879, it had a population of five to 7,000 people and had over 2,000 buildings. So that's a Damn, lot Damn, that's a lot of buildings. Yeah. So when you consider there's only 170 left in 1962, there's mm-hmm. a lot of buildings no longer there. Some say that in 1880, it was either the second or the third largest city in California. Mm-hmm. And that goes a lot to say because, like I said, at one time, there was absolutely nothing there until the gold rush hit. And that's how big or how quickly it grew. But it only lasted a couple of years. And then the gold rush kind of went away and so did everybody lived in the town. There's about 200,000 visitors yearly that come by. And... What most people don't realize that's just a little more of a fun fact I thought I'd throw in here is that Bodie has a cemetery right on the, uh, the outskirts of town and a nearby, uh, mortuary was the only building that the town had that was actually made of brick. No kidding. Yep. It was made of red brick and it was, uh, three layers thick and the cemetery included a miners union section. Oh, you know, yeah. Not, not miners like under 18 years old. But no, but like miners, really yeah, miners. Well, that was nice though. You said minors, but it's minors. minors. Why you gotta judge me? <laughs> Dang. There's there's a museum on Main Street that used to be the Miners Union Hall, and they would hold uh, back in the day they would hold dances and plays and um, anything that concerts stuff like mm-hmm. that. Now there's approximately 110 buildings left today, so they've lost 60 buildings since 1961 when they made it a, an official, right? You know, whatever. Many of, of the buildings that are left now have the original interiors. So that's like whatever was left in it when people went away, it's still all there. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Uh, like I said, they're maintenance, uh, put in, they put in some new windows and stuff like that, but everything else is pretty much the same as what it was. Mm-hmm. Now, the California State Parks Ranger Station is also in one of the original homes on Green Street. Oh. So, yeah, and that's for the whole, for the whole state. In 2009, 2010, it was actually scheduled to be closed down by California, but the, uh, state legislature, uh, worked out some kind of a budget and was able to keep it going. And now it's got its own little foundation that helps keep it going. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. Now, if you come to visit Bodie, here's the deal. Be oh. careful. Don't take anything back with you. This is where the curse comes in. Oh. The curse of Bodie says if you take something that's not yours, you're going to be in for a lot of bad luck. Dang. Now, several people a year mail back stuff that they actually took from Bodie. Oh, because bad things started happening? Bad things started happening, and they send letters of apologies. So much so that the park has assigned Terry Geisinger to handle all of these claims. And she said that she's actually got a a book, like a binder with these letters that that people send. And it's about four inches thick. Oh, man, I would love to look at that. People have sent uh, small things back, such as uh, square nails, which are kind of like, mm. if you don't know what a square nail is, it's kind of like the nails that um, you would see on for railroads. Oh. Um, and then the smallest. Like the big, but, thick ones, you mean? Yeah, the big, thick ones. Well, those are spikes, but they make, oh. uh, you'll see them in the railroad ties. But it's also, to put it in biblical terms, like you see the nails that they crucified 
Jesus with, Aww. those are actually technically square nails. I don't like so that. So they don't have the round heads on them that mm-hmm. just got the, you know. Now, people send these things back, like I said, and they'll send uh, pieces of glass back. There's a lot of colored glass there from old bottles and stuff like that from back in the, the uh, 1800s. So people will take these things, even if they're busted. And now they start sending them back. The one that she said stands out the most was a man who's trying to send back a piano. What? How are you just going to take a piano? Well, she said he was very emotional about it. He said that years earlier, we're talking about before it was in the state park, so we're talking over 30 years ago. This guy and his brother, his mom, their mom really loved to play the piano. They didn't have the money to buy her a piano. Well, they knew there was one up in Bodie just sitting in a place and it was nobody was using it. So they came down and took the piano. Okay, that's dumb. That's still not right. Well, I didn't say it was right. I just well, said I know. That that's what happened. And starting the moment that they took the piano, I should have said Piani. <laughs> then we talk like me. They took that damn Piani. <laughs> but from the moment that they took the piano, they started having all these misfortunes and stuff. They they had numerous car wrecks. Oh gosh! In the family, they had death. They had divorces. They they just. You know, so, it, so what you're saying though, even though they are the one that took it, it affected everybody around them. Is that what you're family, saying? And their whole family. Oh, dang. And the last straw was the man who took it. His daughter was just diagnosed with leukemia. Oh. And he just basically called him and looked, said, you know, I'm going to have this thing shipped back there. And, you know, they, they told him that if you don't accept it, I'll just leave it in the parking lot. Yeah. Because I'm not going to have it anymore. Mm. And that's what he did. About two weeks later, it showed up, and they accepted it back. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this is a really old piano. Now, four or five things a month come back is what they said the equivalent is. Dang, God. Bunch of thieves up in there. Even people that just don't believe in curses will send stuff back just in case. So they just don't like the, yeah. You know, well, they, they just want to take the, don't want to take the chance. Right. And they'll start having some little things happen, and they're like, well, I don't really believe it, but. But so, did things start happening immediately after they took it, or or not? In some cases, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, and we'll get into some of those. Like, one lady said, and she visited on August 5th, and on August 7th, 8th, and 9th, she had an extreme sinus infection. She had to get a Demerol shot. August 14th, her son dropped a bowl on her foot, which broke, and then cut her foot open. She had to go back to the emergency room over that. August 15th, her daughter got stung on the foot by a red ant. She had to go to the emergency room over that. And then uh, she decided that there was some glass that they had taken, so she returned that back. It was oh, like glass. Is, did she take it, or did, did she herself take it, or did her family member take it? No, she took it. She took it, or part of it. So, okay. I mean, it was... Um, Darn. But, like, for example, this is it's kind of ties into what you're saying. Uh, a lady named Carissa Gardner. Her husband and three kids went went to Bodie, right? And mm-hmm. she 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 says, "I don't believe in curses, but I told every one of them, don't touch a thing, don't bring a thing back." And you know, from her three kids and her husband, she made well aware you're not to bring anything. And before they left, she even made the kids, you know, empty their pockets yeah. out and then check everything just to make sure that there wasn't in there. And so they get home and they're not thinking nothing about it. Right before they leave, she tweaks her back a little bit. Mm-hmm. So she's like, okay, we'll go ahead and go. Uh, my back's a little sore. 
it kept getting worse to so much to the point where she ended up going to the emergency room mm-hmm. to get a shot, a mm-hmm. pain shot. And they decided to, shoot, to make an appointment to her, uh, her doctor to get it checked out. And it turns out that she had a disc that was out of rotation. Ooh. So the doctor gave her basically two Valium mm-hmm. and said, I want you to be really relaxed because we're going to do a procedure the next day, but I need you to be really relaxed. Well, she took the, the, the Valium and she tossed and turned all night long. She woke up and you know, she was in worse case. Oh, than so that Valium didn't help her oh, at no, all. It was, it was way worse and she was in worse pain. Wow. Husband drove her to the ER and she actually was one in a, in 2000 people that had an opposite reaction to Valium. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding? Yeah. So she, she actually recovered in the long run. Your back's on the men's now. Uh, but during that time, her son accidentally stabbed himself with his brother's allergy shot, went straight through his hand. Oh, jeez. She had to take him to the, the hospital. Luckily, you know. You didn't not, have any f- yeah. effect from it or anything? Yeah, nothing, nothing actually. The medicine wasn't actually injected. Oh, so well, that's good. He didn't have to worry about that. And then, uh, she gets home from, from that ER trip and the husband actually tells her that he had taken some colored glass from there. Oh. <gasps> That dirty dog. Yeah. And uh, that night, the daughter fell out of a tree. Oh, no. You got to be kidding. So that's three trips to the ER in 10 days. Oh, wow. She got, you know, she she didn't want to take any chances, and she sent it back to him as soon as she could. The very next day, she sent the stuff back. Well, her husband needed a beating, and he didn't fess up. (laughs) It's like I said, some people are so afraid of taking something back with them that they will. They'll take their shoes off. Well, yeah. Take their shoes I was going to say, what if you have some kind of dirt in your shoe? Does yeah. that even matter? I mean, well, I mean, I guess it probably does. I know a lot of people are just afraid to take chances. So yeah, they'll they'll dust their shoes off and all that. So I mean, I would I would think that they just got to be careful in that situation because you definitely don't want to take something home with you by accident and end up with a bunch of bad luck. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to, but I sure would love to go see that place, though. I'm thinking that the University of Louisville basketball coaching staff maybe went there and brought a whole bunch of stuff back. Oh. They probably took like they probably brought several buildings back and all kinds of glass. <laughs> yeah, they're having a little bit of bad luck, that's for yeah, sure. A little stretch over the past uh, two, three months. But yeah. Anyway, enough about them. I don't want to ruin the show. Um <laughs> I'm sure now people are saying, well, well, what's the deal with the curse? How did this happen? And tune in next week, and I'm just like, uh, <laughs> here's, here's the story in a nutshell. Who's now, me in a nutshell? <laughs> Sorry. Bodie was named after William S. Bodie. He came to California, 1849. He obviously was all part of the uh, uh, gold rush, you know, fever you know mm-hmm. he was he was you know wanting to come there the the whole thought of discovering gold and having a better life and becoming rich and and you know this is about the time when uh uh california especially san francisco area was really booming with the gold rush mm-hmm. thus the san francisco 49ers in case people who didn't realize that <laughs> that's true get out of here are yeah, you that's why me? that's why the 49ers are called the 49ers Oh my gosh, I did not know that. Yeah, the gold rush really took off in, in 1849. Well, I'll be dang. It's just, we're just a cornucopia of knowledge. Uh, seriously? I had yeah. no clue about that. So what he decided to do is obviously he was on, you know, over with it where everybody else was. And he spent basically nine years. Oh tr- gosh, looking for gold? Looking for gold and not having any luck oh. whatsoever. And he decided, you know what, it's kind of tapped out over here. 
So I think what I'll do is I'll go to the eastern side, uh, to the, to, uh, the, um, Sierra mountains. And that was a problem. He just didn't realize it was a problem, but it was a problem. And the problem is because the weather there is basically unforgiving. It's not like the Pacific, the Pacific Ocean brings a lot of bad weather through that part with it being up in the mountains. <clears throat> so what you have is a combination of harsh winters and I'm talking 20 to 30 below zero. Really? Yeah. And wind chills 50 to 60 below zero. Those of you that use Celsius, that is uh, cold as hell. Oh yeah, so, that's like your balls freezing off. Yeah, it's 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 as cold as you can imagine. Man, and you know, so you got that. Then in the summers, it gets in the nineties with, but the heat index it could be like one hundred and fifteen degrees. Isn't that the craziest weather ever? Yeah, they say that there's only about really about thirty to sixty days out of the year where they have normal weather. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> There's not very many days. Well, how do you know how to prepare for that? You don't. That's the whole point. Oh. And the, this this weather can change in an instant, and that's really going to play a big part in our story. Because, oh. like I said, they didn't realize it, but, you know, he he, he gets over there, and he's, he teams up with a guy named E.S. Taylor. Uh, E.S. Taylor was actually uh, something like half Cherokee Indian, mm-hmm. which in the 1850s, that really wasn't... Uh, a good thing to be not not being Cherokee, but being a miner that was part Indian, because the Indians, uh, I'm sorry, Native Americans, mm-hmm. sorry, that'd be politically correct. We'll get a review on that. Um, the Native Americans didn't like the fact that the miners were there because the miners didn't cherish the land. They're just digging, just digging, digging like, through whatever just yeah. to get it. They didn't care what happened to the land. Oh, that's not good. Well, obviously the uh, Native Americans they cared deeply course, about the land. Of course. So to see someone that was a minor, but was also but part, also part, yeah uh, Native American, that was an issue for a lot of oh. others. So that'll come into play a little bit later too. I haven't said the funny thing about what? that yet. What? No, I mean I just so remember I got pointed out that I always say well the funny thing about that is oh, I haven't said it the whole show. That's yet. good for you. Yeah, but I want I need to work that in. Okay, that's kind of like my calling card. <laughs> and. So he meets up with this guy, right? And this guy's an experienced miner. And he didn't really, I guess he didn't really know Bodie, but it's kind of like they just instantly became friends and started helping each other. So these two are over here all by themselves on this side of the mountain. There's nobody over here looking. And, you know, it's it's hot. It's muggy. It's so humid. And, And you're higher up in the altitude here. And so you're closer to the sun. The weather's thinner. You're closer to the sun. Oh, yeah, and your and oxygen's there's no, probably. There's no trees or anything. So yeah. it's like as hot as it could possibly be. Oh, man. You know, so you, you had to constantly stay hydrated. Hydrated. Mm-hmm. And what the problem was is they found gold in the stream. That, were, that part wasn't a problem. But when they found it, they got greedy. Well, isn't that the way? Well, sure. So it's enough gold where they can actually stake a claim. They planned on working all summer long and then leave before winter hit. Mm-hmm. But as we discussed, the weather changes instantly, and this is where their problems started running into. They wanted to go another couple of weeks and get a little more out of it, so they went to town to get some supplies. It was about 15 miles away to the closest town. 
It's about a two days hike. And they started out coming back. It's a beautiful day. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And just in a blink of an eye, it changed to a winter blizzard. Oh my God. You're serious. Whiteout conditions. Um, the wind blowing so strong that you couldn't see. It was so cold. You were having trouble with, with, uh, even being able to feel your extremities. How does that even happen like that? It's just craziness. Oh my gosh. I don't, wouldn't want to live in a place like that. So the vision was so bad that they actually got lost. And they say that they, they wandered around for days. Mm-hmm. Well, at this point in time, Bodie became exhausted. And he apparently wasn't in the greatest of shape anyway. And, uh, you know, Taylor tried to carry him for a little bit. And eventually Taylor just said, look, I can't do this or we're both going to die. Mm-hmm. And let me go find the cabin because they've been looking for their cabin. Mm-hmm. Let me go find our cabin. Let me get some rest and I'll come back for you. So he actually lays Bodie down in the snow, covers him up in a blanket and, and says, I'll be back. This was like the fall. This was like October. He gets back to the cabin and he realizes he can't go back out. There's no way he can go back out. And he just leaves Bodie there to freeze to death. Oh, what a liar. Well, I mean, it was just... But I understand that in a way, but that's that's so sad. So, now we fast forward to May. Oh my gosh, from October to May? It snowed basically all that time. Oh, wow. So, you had to... uh, You had to go to all the way to May before stuff started thawing out out, and you could go. And... That's basically when he was able to find Bodie's body. I can't believe he even found his body. How did he even... I mean, if he was so lost, how could he even find his body? Well, here's the here's the, here's the the funny thing. <laughs> he said that he was only like three quarters of a mile from the cabin. No. All that time they were walking and all <gasps> stuff, and they were only three quarters of a mile from the cabin. Oh, that sucks. So that ties in, though. What a shame. Most people think that his story sounded fishy because you mean to tell me that this guy left he found the he found the cabin and then he realizes that they're only like three quarters of a mile and he didn't go back and grab him so oh you but you don't so you think he didn't realize or he did realize it and just didn't want to because he wanted because he wanted to keep all that for himself That's exactly what most people think that he wanted to keep all the gold for himself what a butthole so taylor uh he continued to mine the claim himself, mm-hmm. but he kept a low profile because he didn't want anybody to know, to know that, yeah. you know, they got that gold over there. He took a job in a nearby town. He was taking care of a ranch and the, and the, and the rancher's livestock. He hadn't made very much headway on, on any, anything as far as making money since Bodie had passed away. Mm-hmm. And he definitely didn't come anywhere near striking it rich. And that's kind of, you know, what their, their goal was. So he's got to still work somewhere. Now, one night, he was attacked by, by a band of Paiute Indians. Oh, he was? Mm-hmm. They busted into the the uh, farm where he was, the ranch. They busted in, and this was vicious. I mean, they scalped him. Oh. They beheaded him. Oh. And it was obvious by scalping him in, in a manner they did, they were trying to send a message. Now, once again... This could very well have been because of him being part Native American. I think that was really, uh, they, I want to say they had an axe to grind. I guess that was probably a choice <laughs> of words. But 
realistically. But how did they know? I wonder. Oh, they've been keeping track of him. I mean, oh, they've been tracking him like that whole yeah, time. I, mean, I'm I guess. Sure. I'm sure. I mean, they see where he goes and what he's doing, and so it wouldn't have been that hard. Oh my gosh, what a horrible! Oh, that's just terrible. Now, most people will say that's what he gets. Well, most people will say that was his just desserts, but they will also say that this was the first case oh. of the revenge of the Bodhi curse. So Bodhi, Bodhi cursed him then, I guess. Yeah, well, they feel like that Bodhi maybe was coming back from beyond the grave oh. to take revenge on somebody that was taking something that was rightfully his. Well, of course. I mean, he worked all them years and stuff. Well, so, I mean, obviously, this is where it comes in to what the Bodhi curse is. Anytime somebody takes something that is not rightfully his mm-hmm. from Bodhi, they feel like that Bodhi reaches out from beyond the grave to basically teach him a lesson. I mean, how do you feel about that? I feel like that's the right thing to do. Well, sure. I mean, I would like to be a vengeful ghost. I mean, yeah. You know, that just sucks for him, though. Because if I, if I was a ghost and I, and I could come back and, and just teach people lessons like that, that's what I'd want to do. Yeah. I still can't believe they took a piano. Twenty minutes ago. Well, I know, but that's—I mean—that's huge. Well, it is huge, but there was like nobody there at the so time. So nobody it was did, just I a mean, deserted town at that time. There was nobody on no, there. Was like, oh my gosh, my conscience would kill me. I can never. If, if not, Bodie will. Well, that's true. So let's talk about a little bit that happened afterwards. So in 1875, a huge amount of gold was found there in Bodie. That's where everything put into play it became the huge uh mm-hmm. pound that it, it went because it went from having nobody there to having what would say five to seven thousand people oh, at its gosh. Peak. um in 1877 they named the town Bodie mm-hmm. after the gentleman who found it unfortunately and this will tie in to some of the stuff we talked about earlier you know th- this was a, a very bad town when it was at its height there was like something like over 150 saloons Think about that. Dang. Oh, how in the world do you have 150 saloons? Well, there was a lot of people there, and, and they'd go uh, mining throughout the day. And then at some point in time, they would get off work, and then most of them would just go out for a drink afterwards. So, I mean, I mean, did they just have, like, makeshift tents, or did they no, have this houses? Is, this is or? where they, remember, they had 2,000 buildings at some point. Oh, yeah, that's right. This is back when they were at the height. Okay. And they said there was at least two shootings a week there. Oh, my gosh. Mm. So there's a lot of people who died, mm-hmm. uh, not just from the shootings, but from the weather, because we just talked about how yeah, bad the I mean, weather was. Shoot. And, you know, they said that people would walk out of the saloon. It would be snowing. They would walk out. They would go in the saloon. It wouldn't be snowing. They'd come out. It wouldn't be snowing. And they would actually get lost Oh wow! in the town well, and well, die. That's, that's the craziest the, the crap. weather is so blinding. That is crazy. Everything dried up after a few years, and that was it. I mean, it was like a two- to three-year deal. That was it. And that's... And, you know, it got to be... So nobody found any more gold. Is that what you're saying? they found gold, but it got to be where it was too deep and it was too expensive to pull it out. Mm -hmm. So most people say, that once again, that's Bodie Mm -hmm. actually... Making them, hey, look, you got your fair share, get the heck out. Yeah, you know, this is my claim, not your claim. There's a lot of people that would actually find gold and somebody else would find out about it and then they would go kill that person so they could take their claim mm. once again the Bodhi curse of yeah not well taking. you don't need to be greedy yeah be so. thankful what you found and move on so let's talk about some ghost sightings 
there's all kinds of different things that go on here. Um, children, if you go to the schoolhouse, are heard to be laughing and joking when there's nobody else there. Mm-hmm. There is a strong um, energy, I guess you could say, in the area. Just, there's people, who, when they get there, it's just like as soon as they get into the town, it just feels different. just feels different. Yeah, it's just got a different feel. You can hear footsteps when you're in like one of the uh, the old buildings. And you can't go in all these buildings. You can go into some of them. But when you go into them, you, sometimes like in the back of the building, you can hear footsteps from like boots. I wonder why on, you can't go in all floor. of them. Because they don't want people damaging what's already there. Already there. Yeah. You can hear music mm, being played. From that piano? Well, I don't know if it was from the piano. <laughs> it's probably not rap music either. I'm guessing it's probably like, you know, mm-hmm. probably like the, you know, the the middle of Kid Rock's uh, Cowboy little yeah. piano. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that, actually. There was one instance where a um, a big-time fundraiser for the Bodie Fund, I told you, they're, they're, mm-hmm. that's how they raise the money now to keep it going. She went into one of the houses. I can't remember the name of the house. And she was walking up the steps and something pushed her from behind, like as she was going up the steps. She didn't fall down the steps. She was pushed up flat, the steps, you know, pushed <clears throat> up the steps basically. And she kind of looked around to see if anybody saw. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dang, I fell up the steps, <laughs> but she looked up and she just said, look. Hey, I, I'm just here visiting. I'm not planning on staying. Oh. And, and then she said she got up and left. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they had a, a some kind of a fundraiser, I guess, the following year. And uh, the uh, Miss Geisinger that we talked about earlier, she asked her, she said, hey, do you want to uh, spend the night? Or is a bunch of us going to spend the night? And she said, um, hell no. <laughs> not only am I not going to spend the night, I'm never walking in that house again. Oh, I bet. I wouldn't either. So that was pretty bad. Some believe that the curse protects the town, and it's a reminder to people that you just don't take things that don't belong to you. Mm-hmm. It's meant to just teach a, a well, good, yeah. solid lesson. Right. The amazing thing about the building, I said we were going to talk about this, that these things are even still standing. By all accounts, by meteorologists and by architects and whatever, the, these buildings shouldn't, the ones that are there should not be standing. Well, I mean, not most, with that crazy weather. Well, most of them look like they're about ready to fall, but I mean, you've got the, the super intense dry heat in the summer. Mm-hmm. You've got 20 foot snow drifts in the wintertime. You know, you've got hurricane type winds that are hitting this and these buildings that are old and dilapidated and, you know, 150 years old roughly. Are still standing. So what we need is material like that these days. <laughs> yeah, that's what we need. <laughs> so that right there is the uh, story of Bodie. What do you think? I think that was a fun story, and it was real. It was real interesting, and it should teach you a lesson. And we're going to do a story. You should never just. You just never should take stuff that don't belong to you. That's just terrible. Like people's cotton candy. <gasps> well, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Dang it! But I replaced it. Now, if I get cursed by something, I'm going to feel really bad. I could just see you sitting there putting a bag of cotton candy with an apology letter, sending it to their house. Because <laughs> it's a bad luck happen. Look, I honestly thought everybody had their cotton candy. Or you I don't need know. cotton candy anyway. You're a diabetic. Well, I know, but I love it. It's so good. Okay. I thought we would uh, save the... Good. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we would save the shout outs. Until this part of the show, to kind of in, in between the two stories, All break right. them up a little bit. Oh, and I, I didn't mention this either. At the end of the show, 
we have a very cool interview with Katie Stewart. Yeah. Uh, Katie is a longtime friend of ours. I told you a little bit about her last show. She's the, uh, the, the main star of, uh, The Wicked One, which is a really cool movie. It's an old, uh, throwback to the Michael Myers mm-hmm. type movies, the slasher type films. And, um, I, it's, it's taken me forever to get her on the show because she's always that busy. Oh my gosh. She's always busy doing something. So we've got that at the end of the show. Uh, she's ever been at probably what, 90 pounds, but she can kick your ass. Yeah. She's five foot tall and, yeah. and probably 90 pounds. Yeah. She's a sweetheart. Shout out, first of all and foremost, to the military all over the world, no matter who you support. Oh, absolutely. All the civil servants, and that's, that goes from everybody from police, fire, oh, yeah. um, ambulance drivers. I know EMS don't get a lot of uh, credit, and uh, I want to make sure they get their credit. Oh, my gosh. I thank God for the EMS. They saved my mom's life and your life one time. And, yeah, God bless every one of you guys. We we do appreciate you. I should put a picture of my shorts up over there. You know, That's gross. Bleeding profusely. I know. That was really bad. I almost got my brand new shoes, too. I know. Here is uh, the shout-outs we've got. We we did not have any new patrons this week, uh, so there's no shout-outs for those. But we still love you, though. No, absolutely. Or, or, oh, my gosh. But I do want to point something out, because I'm not exactly sure that everybody knows how this works. If for some reason, like, we put out two shows a month. We put out one on the first, so we just put one out yesterday. That was a listener's story. So we, some of you guys out there have, have told us their stories, and we bring you on the show, and we let you tell their stories, and we interact with you. It's so fun. Yeah, it is It is one of the fun. It is different than what we normally do, but it's a whole show. Uh, I think last night's show was like an hour and ten minutes of nothing, and it was four different listener stories. And um, so you get that if you pledge $3 a month. If you pledge $5 a month, you get not only that show, but you also get – a uh, a show that we do on the 15th of the month, and that is more like a regular show. Uh, last month's show, we did uh, some true crime, and we did some haunted uh, places, and, and one that was true crime and haunted all mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we did that, and those are going to be over an hour. Now, what you may not realize is you can go in and set up your donation now, and you get these shows. It's like if you went in and heard this show, and you went in and pledged the $5 for Patreon, you're going to get these shows automatically, even though, but they don't take the money until the first of next month. So the money comes out on the first of the next month. So you basically would get anything that comes out this month mm-hmm. for free. Mm-hmm. So if you do, if you try it and you don't like it, you can always cancel. Of course. So but I thought I'd bring that out. I want to thank Jackie Getz for making a absolutely stunning beautiful ring that i gave to tracy on her birthday we posted a video of her opening it up on our uh, facebook page oh my gosh i was so shocked about that ring because i had had seen a similar ring that i just loved and but this one means so much to me because jerry and her both personalized it just for me and i just i have shown it to a million people well not a million but I've shown it to a lot of people. I'm so proud of that, and I can't thank you enough, honey, for doing that for me because you always just you're just amazing. You really are. You always are the most thoughtful person, and you always do the most awesome things for me um, for every occasion and every day of my life. So I just really want to thank you for that because it meant the world to me. That's well, because I love you. Well, I love you too, honey, and I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate you taking the time out to make that ring for me. I will cherish it forever. I also want to thank Tina Aller 
I don't know if it's Oler or Oller. I think it's Oller. But she went to uh, Alcatraz and took a tour. And she sent us a nice little package mm-hmm. that has her one of her original tickets mm-hmm. to it and some uh, um, little flyers and stuff like that from it. She sent us a bunch of pictures from uh, Al Capone, how fitting for the time. Oh, my but gosh. Al Capone's jail cell and all that. Oh, so how fun. How we, fun. Good for her. We appreciate it. That yeah, was- we appreciate everything you guys do. I mean, I swear we just love you all to death and... Oh, you just touch our hearts every day. I'm not trying to get sappy or anything, but you guys really do mean the world to us. Yeah, too late. Um, oh. also wanted to throw a podcast, um, I guess suggestion out there to you. Now, this is going to be a little different than what I normally suggest to you guys. This is more of a drama. Um, they're 20, 30 minutes long and it's a fairly new podcast out there. But the woman who runs it is an absolute sweetheart. And I started listening to it a little bit. It's, it's a kind of like a throwback to the old radio days mm-hmm. where they would actually just come on and it, you got the acting and stuff. It's like a play, but over the radio. Mm-hmm. And these, like I said, they're about 20 or 30 minutes. They're each one separate and it's really cool, but it's called, uh, 12 chimes. It's midnight. Oh, neat. So give that a listen and, and help her out. She's just getting started. And, uh, apparently she's got a, significant other that basically told her that it's such a small genre of uh, that nobody would really be interested in she wouldn't get more than a couple hundred listens to it whatever and i think uh i think we should prove them wrong so i have yeah subscribe give it a couple listens and see if you just give it a chance see if you like it but it is different than what we normally do Mm -hmm. Um, but it's it's pretty cool i kind of like it so all right itunes reviews there was a shit ton this week. A <laughs> shit ton. I like that word, actually. So, Jimbo from Indy. Go Colts. Appreciate it. Yeah. Bluer-Eyed Devil. Alex. Arky Hillbilly. I'm assuming that's a, probably an Arkansas Hillbilly. 400-pound Gorilla. Adriana MG from San Antonio. Ox Cartwheel, also known as AJ. Yup, Justin Rocks. Almost a princess. Keep trying. You'll get there, babe. <laughs> you are a princess already. <laughs> Fisher Dan, 66. Fisher Dan. <laughs> Kim Cost, 77. Cat Girl in Vermont. And Buddy Lee, 41. Thank you guys so oh much. Oh, my you gosh. Guys, you guys are awesome. And, I mean, these were some awesome reviews. Well, one of them wasn't awesome. Really? Yeah, one of them basically said that they like the older shows and they didn't oh, like Tracy on the against show. about me. That's okay. I'm getting used to it. I'm getting tough, y'all. I'm starting to, I'm starting to take this all right now. <laughs> we appreciate all your reviews. I mean, if they're negative, hey, that's fine too. We, we want to improve, um, on our show and we're, you know, whatever we need to do, we'll do. We love you guys. Speaking so, of which, though, we probably do need to get Ricky back on our show. So. I know. We do need to get Ricky back on here. Maybe we get him on one of the bonus episodes or something. Yeah, that would be awesome. Okay. Let's jump into our second story. This one will probably freak some of you out. It's it's a combination of stuff that's all over the map. Uh, it's almost hard to believe that so much stuff, tragedy-wise, can happen in one house, especially when it's all over the map. And you'll see what we're talking about. But what we're going to tell you about is the Monte Cristo Homestead. Mm-hmm. Now, before this, I had only heard of the Monte Cristo Sandwich. Say, ain't that the stuff they put powdered sugar on? Which, how in the world you can have a sandwich that they put powdered sugar on is beyond me. That, that's oh, just I not mean, going It's not a damn funnel cake. I don't care. I'd eat it. You have eaten it. That's where I knew where it was. I know. What did, uh, what's his name say? Um, oh, 
The Britain guy with the The Britain guy. No, I don't know. <laughs> the Britain guy. <laughs> Wait, what's his name? Think, that was Chef. Gordon Ramsay? Oh, my God. Yeah, Gordon Ramsay. Remember? <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> the Britain guy. I don't even know where that came from. I'm going to send Gordon a message and say, hey, uh, my <laughs> wife loves you because you're the Britain guy. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know what I'm saying? Remember when he got that sandwich that time at the restaurant? He's like, what the hell is this? Who puts powdered sugar on a sandwich? Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, it was uh. one of those. <laughs> sorry. But it's still powdered sugar good. I mean, it's just good anyway. <sighs> Sorry. Yeah, it goes right with your cotton candy. I know. Maybe you can steal some of that from one of our other grandkids. I know. Well, maybe I can. Maybe I should quit eating all that shit. Okay, go ahead. Okay. So the Monte Cristo homestead, and I want to, again, thank Dana Lee Gleason for helping us out with this story. She's a sweetheart. And uh, she got mad at me earlier this week for, uh, she thought I was being smart to her. She, th- she thought she thought we were going to do this story like two weeks ago, and she told me that we I put it off the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, it wasn't scheduled yet. I think when I when I said that, because mm-hmm. you know how stuff comes across different in text, mm-hmm. and I put out that I put out that list of stories that we're doing with all the dates, like six, seven weeks in advance. Mm. And when I told her um, that it was basically not scheduled yet, I think mm-hmm. she thought I was just trying to be a smart aleck to her. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> let me tell you a little fact here, honey. He can be a smart ass uh, a lot. <laughs> no, so stop yeah, it. but he means well. So yeah. But she knows I love her, so. Yeah, we, of course. We've, we've all patched it up. Well, good. Let's talk about this place. It's pretty cool. It's a two-story late Victorian manor in Juni, New South Wales, Australia. And that's uh, uh, in Australia. So I that <laughs> it's in like that Britain guy? Yeah. Yeah. It's in uh, the, the Austria guy. The <laughs> oh, gosh. Good <laughs> grief. It, it sits on a hill over, overlooking the town. Originally... It was built in 1876, and I say that because it was an original house was built in 1885. They built another house in front of it, which is where all the tragedy happened. Oh, the house that they built behind it ended up becoming the servants' quarters, and it ended up, which was the original house, the servants' quarter, and eventually it ended up being a place where he kept his horses. So, and by he, I mean Christopher William Crawley. He's the gentleman that built the house. Crawley used used to kind of fund the projects and loan money to to, to people mm-hmm. because back in this day, over in uh, that part of Australia, it was such a small town mm-hmm. that the government thought it was too big of a risk to try to loan money to people, and there were no government programs to help people. So these people would want to move their family into the town, and they would come to him and pretty much beg for money. So, so they like could get he's their like the prophet. Started. Yeah, most most people won't get that. But oh, yeah. We should watch The Prophet. It's a good show. The Prophet's a TV show in America where people, a guy uses his, Marcus Lamonas uses his own money to help struggling businesses. But yeah, theoretically, if anybody besides seven actually got that, that would be. <laughs> but, uh, so Crawley, he would actually help people out like I'd help them get started. Now I told you that the original homestead had changed a little bit and on the new house, the walls were actually 18 inches thick with 12-foot-tall ceilings. Wow. Yeah, that's a little thick. That's that almost scary type, uh, hey, we want this to be soundproof. Oh, my gosh. Thick. I'd imagine, uh, as Dana pointed out, it was probably freezing in the wintertime. Because you could imagine that there's no heat getting in, getting into it or out of it. And 18 inches thick. I mean, it's that's extremely thick for a house. Well, yeah, but in the, in the wintertime, though, they, if they have heat in the house, it ain't going to escape. Well, they probably didn't have a lot of heat in the house, considering it was, uh, you know, 
Well, they have 1875. They have fire, fire and stuff, but still. Wood burning stoves. So why is the house so haunted? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> Mainly because several people died there. Oh. Including the Crawleys. Oh, gosh. No kidding. Yeah. Well, Mr. Crawley died in 1910 from blood poisoning. He died in the house in his bedroom. And Mrs. Crawley, Elizabeth, she didn't die until 23 years later in 1933. But she died in the house also. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, there's 10 ghosts that are in that house. Now, that's going... Let me tell you a little bit of background. I'm going to jump around a little bit. The house stayed vacant for most of the 50s and early 60s. And when that happened, it was kind of a setup just for vandals and teenagers and stuff like that just to come up and just kind of make some ruins of it. So the house wasn't in all that great a shape. Now, Reginald Ryan and his wife, they actually moved in in 1963. And they're the ones who are saying that there's approximately 10 ghosts in the Mm -hmm. house. And the 10 ghosts, they say, are the Crawleys. There are three children, and the rest were people who worked on the premises. Okay. So that's supposed to be who the the, uh, people are. Now, Mrs. Ryan, who now owns the house, and like I said, they've lived there since 1963, so they've been there for over 40-some-odd years now. Oh, yeah. They said that they knew that something was up as they were coming in from a distance. You know, riding in, you could see the house up on the hill, and they said it was all lit up. Which normally wouldn't be yeah, that I'm big of a say. situation, except there was no electricity in the house. Oh. And there was only one kerosene heater, or one kerosene uh, Light, lantern, lantern, and mm-hmm. it wasn't on. Oh, my gosh. But that was the first sign. Now, his wife, Mrs. Ryan, she thinks that she had a past life in that house. Because she said when she got into the house the very first time, it's like she knew everything about it. Oh, how weird. So we could have put her on the past lives episode. We had a couple Heck weeks yeah. Ago. The first official death happened when uh, the Crawley's nanny dropped her 10-month-old baby, Ethel, down the staircase. Oh. The maid was distraught for the whole rest of her life, but she swears that an invisible force knocked the baby out of her hand. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, sad. That is very sad, and to have to live with that all that time. Yeah, and people say that, you can feel evil presence when you get anywhere near those that staircase. Mm-hmm. Uh, little kids become like really agitated when they're anywhere near that area. Wow! So that was the first official death. The second official death was Mister Crawley, died in 1910 of uh, blood poison. He was 65 years old at the time. Some years later, a pregnant woman died in the same bedroom that Mister Crawley died in. Uh, matter of fact, they say. I think by all accounts, most people assume that it was uh, some type of a botched abortion that she died from. That's terrible. Now, after uh, Mr. Crawley's death, Mrs. Crawley spent the rest of her life mourning his death. She had uh, a a room that was more or less a chapel, for lack of better terms, and she would spend all of her time in there Mm -hmm. rather than throughout the house. And over the 23 years that she lived... After that, she only left the house twice. What? Yep, she only left the house twice. When she died, she was 92 years old. Well, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. We're going to talk about Harold Steele. Now, this isn't a death. There's more death coming. Harold Steele was probably the most unique situation. I told you, we're going to bounce all over the place in tragedy. 
Harold was a mentally disabled guy. He uh, was supposedly, from everything that I've read, he wasn't born that way, but there was a carriage accident and it had some brain damage. Like, yeah, oh, okay. And a lot of people say that he was actually the son of Mr. Crowley. Oh. That he had an affair uh, with one of the servants. Mr. Crowley did? Yeah, Mr. Crowley. I said Crowley. Mr. Crowley. Oh, okay. But what happened was his mom was a caretaker there. Okay. And she basically kept him chained up to a wall in her cottage for 40 years. (gasps) 40 years. Come on now. 40 years. Oh, bless his heart. They said that, that if... If you unchained him, that he like basically just ran around the streets like a wild man. Wow, well, so I guess so. So they chained, they chained him up to it. This Aww. was like the dairy area, is what it was. Derriere? Dairy area. Oh, but I can see where dairy area. Dairy area. This is they had a dairy on the farm, uh-huh. and this was in that area where her cottage was. I, I mean, I can't even imagine being chained up for forty years. How does he even know how to do anything? Well, he probably don't like know how to walk or anything. But. That mean heifer. They end up, you know, his mom. And well, first of all, too, I'm gonna jump around again. The this is kind of where the first tales of the house being haunted came from mm-hmm. because he would make these moaning and, and sounds that sounded kind of like a ghost. And kids and and teenagers would come by there and they would hear him back from the dairy area mm-hmm. making those noises. So they said that the house was it was haunted. haunted. Yeah, and in, and in reality, it was him. That's and sad. What ended up happening is they went uh, a couple of weeks without seeing his mom in town, mm-hmm. and then there was some mail and stuff that didn't get picked up. Oh, okay. So they decided to go ahead and to check on stuff. When they got there, they found Harold actually cut, kind of cuddling her body. She had been dead for a couple, couple, couple weeks, maybe Ooh. several days. He was really bad malnourished. Uh, but he was sitting there basically crying over her body. After. Well, he's got disabilities. He don't realize what's going on. But now that, see, though. That was, that was all that he had. But I know, but he, like. I know, he treasured her. And after what she did to him. It's sad. It really is. And what's even more sad is that kids had been coming up there trying to throw food to him. But it was all just out of his reach. They were too scared to come up close to him, but they were throwing food to him, and it was out of his reach. So they came up, and uh, they got him. They took him to a um, uh, an institution where he died shortly after. Oh, he did? Yep. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. It was sad. I mean, to, I mean, to live through all that and then get out of there where he can maybe at least, and then to pass away. Hmm. Life sucks. There's uh, more death involved. There was a maid that supposedly jumped to her death. She landed on the front doorsteps. The locals say that she was pregnant with Crawley's baby. This guy's mm-hmm. a whore. He is a whore. Down to. Punch him in his nuts. Now, a lot of other people say that a ghost pushed her out the window. Because there apparently is a lot of different uh, cases where... Just like the the maid who dropped the baby mm-hmm. said that something knocked it out of her hand. There, there's all kinds of people even today saying that people push, touch mm-hmm. while they're in the house. So that's what some people think. Now, regardless of how she fell, 
She fell over 12 feet tall, or 12 feet from, from the balcony. She landed on the steps. It's nice rounded steps, mm-hmm. you know, uh, onto the, the entryway there. And she broke a bunch of the vintage towels that were there. And most of them were still cracked and still there. But oh, they never, still left they them there? Them. There's a huge white spot on the steps. If you ever look at any pictures, and we're going to post some of these pictures on Facebook because mm-hmm. Dana, Dana gave us some cool ass pictures of the cemetery. Like we got a picture of, uh, their baby Ethel, their, their tombstone, little tombstone, the tombstone and stuff from there. So I'm going to post all these on Facebook, but there's a huge spot, white spot there because back then they would use pure bleach to clean blood up. Mm-hmm. And where they clean the blood up, there's still a huge bleach spot. Oh, there. golly. Now we're going to talk about another very disturbing death there. Led Morris. Led Morris was a young boy. I'm not exactly sure what his age was. I couldn't seem to find that anywhere I looked. He didn't get up for work one day because he just said he didn't feel up to it. Mm-hmm. His boss thought he was BSing him, and he decided that he wasn't sick. And to prove that he wasn't sick, he set fire to the boy's uh, straw mattress. What the hell? Apparently he was that sick because he couldn't get up and he burned to death. Oh my gosh. Ugh. 1961, there was a caretaker by the name of Jack Simpson. There was a bunch of different caretakers all through the, the years before they moved in. Because this is 61 and keep in mind the, uh, the Ryans actually bought the house in 63. So this was a couple of years before. But Jack Simpson, he was shot to death by a young man, youth, who had seen Psycho three times in that day. The movie uh, Psycho from Alfred mm. Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock, I said Albert. Mm-hmm. That's his brother. Yeah. I don't know if he's his brother. <laughs> I made that up. Quit making crap up. But he, he'd seen Psycho three times. He went and he shot him to death. And then he actually wrote... Die, Jack, die on the door. He scratched it on the door, and you can actually faintly still see that today. Oh, I got a wow. Picture, I got a picture of that I'll post, too. Needless to say, and, and, all, and all Jack did was open the door. He went up there purposely to do this. He opened, and Jack opened the door, and he just shot him to death right there. Needless to say, Ninja's shocked by the outcome. I can tell. He barked twice. Oh, three times. Needless to say, they had trouble getting caretakers after that. So nobody wanted to become the caretaker up there. In 63, obviously, the Ryans bought the house. They completely remodeled it. So now it's it's a beautiful work of art. Because uh, remember, I said it was several years where yeah. it was vacant, where their vandals and everything took place of it. Dang, that was a that was a dark story. But we're not done yet. Oh, my gosh. There's darkness. So to this day, now, they give tours. The Ryans give tours and stuff out there all the time. That's that's one of the things that they do. But to this day, there are feelings of sadnesses. Sorry, sadness. <laughs> sadnesses. There's feelings of sadness in certain rooms. Certain rooms you just go into, you just feel oh my very gosh. depressed. I feel depressed already. In some rooms, you have trouble breathing. There have been animal mut- mutilations on site. Oh, wow. Just, animals just show up mutilated. Nobody mm. knows exactly what happens. People see apparitions, not only in person, but in pictures. They see sights of Mr. Crawley and Mrs. Crawley. There was actually a movie done, uh, I'd say, I think it was 2000, and 
2012 called The Mirror House. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a fake documentary, but it was done, actually shot it in that house. And the director, uh, a guy named Tanzio Rasham, Rasham, he said that the very first night of filming, that he w- was up at a, at a room and he turned around and there was Mr. Crowley's ghost oh, standing dang. at the doorway just staring at him. So he said he hurried up and ran down the steps, but he said he didn't tell anybody because he still had a movie he had to film. Oh, he didn't want to he, scare anybody yeah, off. Yeah, he scared everybody off. Now, the, the uh, main star of the film, a guy by the name of Lane McDonald, he says that he saw all kinds of stuff. He he could feel when he was sleeping in the bed because he spent four nights there. Mm-hmm. He said he could feel people tugging at the, uh, uh, blankets. the blankets. You could hear stuff. Chairs would move. He could hear voices. So <sighs> He was cool. brave. So that is our story. Dang, that was a, that was a really great story, but man, I'm like thoroughly depressed now. That's sad. That's really bad. <laughs> People back in them days, they are they are hardcore. I mean, I can't imagine. I can't imagine a point where it's like I think you're faking being sick. I think I'll set your bed on fire. Jesus. I mean, it's just oh. what goes through somebody's head. Oh, I mean, gosh. think just think about. Let's break this down. Think about this story. You've got a. You've got a 10-month-old baby being dropped down the steps and killed. Mm. You've got a caretaker shot to death for no reason whatsoever. You've got Mrs. Crawley, who never left the house, really, in 23 years. You've got a maid who jumped out to her and killed herself that may have been pregnant. You've got another, you've got the kid that was burned to death, the stable kid that was burned to death. Just by somebody trying to, you know, prove a point. And then you've got the, the, uh, Steele, Harold Steele, who was chained up for 40 years, his mom dying there, and then eventually, you know, uh, him dying shortly after. Yeah. All this in one place. Yeah. Ooh. So yeah, you could, you could understand why the place is so haunted. Yeah. That's, that's the awfulest thing. I don't even think that's a word. Awfulest is not a word. I'll give you a break on that one. Oh, thank you. That was... But if we were playing Scrabble, that shit would know it up. That would not fly, would it? (laughs) (laughs) That was very disturbing. So, there we go. Um, I think what we're going to do is is, uh, go ahead and play the interview now with Katie. Now, I'm going to tell you ahead of time. There was some noise in the background, a little bit of hammering going on. Uh, Overall, it's still, I think, very listenable. But I just want to tell you that we do know the hammerings out there. And uh, she is so busy that I didn't want to take the chance of trying to set something up later. So we just went with it. But I think you'll find it's really not that bad. So uh, we are aware that's in the background. And let's give Katie a listen. Hello, this is Discover. And we take customer service very seriously. We know that if you have a question or concern about your credit card, that's a serious matter. And you need to talk to a real person about it. So we offer around-the-clock access to seriously talented representatives in the USA. Again, it's a serious endeavor. The only funny thing about it is Bob. If you call us and Bob answers, you're in for a treat. Get 100% U.S.-based customer service and talk to a real person day or night. Discover exceptionally common sense. It's with great pleasure that I welcome my next guest. Miss Katie Stewart is an up-and-coming actress in the horror genre. She's really starting to uh, hammer down these big roles that are coming her way. And I've had the pleasure to know Katie for uh, roughly five or six years. 
And uh, I'm kind of excited about having her on. I probably should have had it already before now, but she's got such a tough schedule, it's hard to actually get an interview with her. Katie, please welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I guess I should give a little bit of background about how you and I know each other. Uh, roughly five years ago, we worked for uh, an internet television station. Katie had a show on. Uh, I had a show on. Uh, but we would come to these production meetings, so we got to know each other. And we also had uh, some events that we would do. We did a zombie walk in Louisville, which was really cool. And then uh, we had a, a cancer benefit. It was a bunch of uh, uh, rock bands getting together to try to raise money for cancer. And man, that day, it was freezing outside. We just basically had to kind of huddle together just to kind of keep warm. And heck, you can't help but to get to know each other when you have to do that. So, But that that's kind of how we go back and forth. But it's funny, during that whole time, I never really asked Katie about her acting, how long she's been doing it, what made her get into it. So I thought right now would be the perfect opportunity. Tell me a little bit about how you got started in acting. Um. Well, ever since I was little, I've always, you know, um, wanted to wanted to be in front of cameras, whether it was pictures or whatever it was. I've always wanted to entertain people. Um, and I I was raised on the classics from the eighties and the nineties, you know, Freddy, Halloween, you know, all those different ones. And I just always I always loved the horror films because not only because I love the excitement that you get from them and the the thrill and the chase that you get from them. But I always envisioned being in one because I always wanted to be the the chick that was running in the forest, but not away, or that didn't run up the stairs and said, and said she actually ran out the front door and survived. You know, because so many of those, they do stupid things. And I would watch them and just say, I would do something so much smarter than that. Let me show you how it's done, you know. Um, and I, I just, I love... I've always been big on drama anyway. Um, so like drama and horror in a lot of ways, they kind of go together. And so I just really found a knack in, in being out, being able to bring that emotional side of the fear and the drama that it, that it takes for horror films. What? Plus I just love them. I like, I like the door. <laughs> so. <laughs> so let me ask you this, and I'm pretty sure I already know the answer to this. What is your favorite horror movie? My my favorite is always going to be well. I have I have two. Aliens is probably my number one top all time, you know, horror film. But it's also one of my all time favorite movies anyway. But as far as just the horror the, the horror genre franchise type would be Halloween. I've always loved Michael Myers the Halloween franchise. I think I kind of already knew the answer to that because it seems like every time I see your Facebook status, it has something to do with your watching aliens. Oh, yes. I love me some aliens. <laughs> I think you're the only person I know that can actually wear out a DVD. <laughs> you know, totally. Buy another one and then wear that one out, too. So. <laughs> I'm looking at your IMDb page right now. and My goodness. I mean, this thing, you've got 50 different credits in here as far as like acting uh, whether it be movies or commercials or uh, short films. I mean, you are a busy little bee. But one thing that catches my attention is you, you've won a bunch of awards too, but one of them is for Best Fight Scene. Tell me a little bit about about the award for Best Fight Scene. Um, yes, we did. That was for a, uh, a uh, film festival, 
and I had a uh, fight scene that I that actually Mr. Dale Miller, who is a very phenomenal uh, actor as well as stunt choreographer, he choreographed the whole scene, and it was between me and him, and it was about a two minute long fight scene. I mean, there was a lot of different stuff in it, um, and that was really one of the first major, you know, stunt fight type things that I had done. And we won, we won the best, the, the best for it. We won the award for it. Um, so that was, that was really fun. Not only was it fun to do it, but it was fun to win the award because it was kind of like, see, y'all people think I'm so small and I can't do anything. Look, I just won an award for fighting. So, you know, it made me feel good. Yeah. For anybody who doesn't know you, you're every bit of what, like five foot tall? I'm five foot. Yeah. yeah. I want to take the time to talk about a couple of your movies. Uh, that you've been in. Now, the first one I want to talk about was probably at this time your biggest break, which was Overtime. Now, you got to work with Al Snow in that movie. Tell me a little bit about how you felt about the opportunity for that movie and what was it like working with Al Snow? I was completely blessed to be to have been a part of that film. Um, that film did a lot for a lot of us in the, in the area that, you know, that had done some stuff that hadn't really been able to say that we've done a real knockout type of film. So I did a lot for, for several of us that were in it. Um, working with Al Snow was a, was comical every time I was around him. Al is one of the funniest yet sweetest and most hopeful people you'll ever meet. Um, and we are still very close friends to this day. In fact, I was just at his wedding on Friday night. Oh, that's um, awesome. So, yeah. So he's he he's wonderful to work with, and I mean it, that whole cast, everybody that was there, the ones that I hadn't met yet, or the ones that I had already known but wasn't that close with. Put it this way, the whole cast, we became a family to the point that we all are still family. We all still hang out, average once a month. We all see each other. We all still work together on other projects. Um, you know, it was it was work, working on that film and working with that company, which was Fly Studios, um, was was a blessing, and by far one of the best, not only one of the best films that I've done, but one of the best times I've ever had. So it was great. I'll tell you what, I'll say this about Al Snow: he's one hell of a lucky guy himself because he's always surrounded by beautiful women in these movies. He had you in this movie, and then he's acted with uh, Chanel Ryan, who's been on the show, in a, in a movie up in Connecticut that they did together. So uh, I would be willing to trade places with him at any point in time. <laughs> that's true. In a lot of ways, that's true. Let's move on to the next movie that I want to talk about, Revelation Trail. It had Daniel Van Thomas in it and had a pretty cool plot to this one. Tell me a little bit about that one. Yeah, Revolution Trail um, was a Western zombie film um, shot back in, you know, older days, obviously Western. Um, that was a lot of fun because, number one, I had never done a Western before, so I got to wear, you know, the Western get-up, and, and I had, you know, a shot, shotgun and the old Western-style um, small pistols, and that was, that was fun to do because I got to actually fire the weapons. Um, I got to fight a little bit in that one. And just the, the genre, we actually we shot up in, um, 
I can't remember the name of the town or the name of the actual, you know, uh, uh, western town, but if you were to Google, you know, like western towns around Kentucky, it'll pull it right out because it's actually almost like a theme park. They don't really have rides, but the whole place is set up like it used to be back in the back in the old days with the sal- a saloon and a gun shop and you know all kinds of stuff like that. So it was really cool. Um, and it was also cool because I got to take my, my daughters with me. Um, they were with me and they were actually extras in the film. They played little zombies. So that was, that was fun. But it was a lot of fun. And Dave, last I heard, he was writing a sequel, um, that was supposed to focus on a lot on my character and on, um, one of the other characters that was in it. He wasn't in it very much, but he had a very strong, Part when he was in it, so it's supposed to focus on kind of on hours and how we came to be during this whole zombie thing. Um, but I'm not sure if that will actually happen. Again, that's you know just hearsay, so we'll have to wait and see. But I hope they do. Well, that's going to lead us right into the movie that I'm most excited about. Recently, you just had released a movie where you pretty much have the starring role. Uh, and this movie's had a lot of acclaim. It's called The Wicked One. Now, this is out available for people to purchase right now on, on all kinds of platforms. Why don't you talk a little bit about that movie and, and how they can get this movie if they're interested? Um, yes, The Wicked One, I, I played Alex Curtis. Um, I was the lead female, and I was the final girl, as you call it. Um, and it's it's basically a, it's a slasher film, um, but it... it Paid a really good homage to the the typical eighties, nineties uh, feel of of horror slasher films. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was very hard. It was very trying. There was a lot in it that uh, was difficult, simply because my character had such an emotional roller coaster through the whole thing. You know, there was a lot of laughing and having fun, and then there was a lot of crying. There was a lot of running. There was a lot of fighting. Um, there was just a lot that went into um, not just the film, but that character. But um, again, uh, Dale Miller was the choreographer for all of the fight stuff, which was amazing. And we actually won an award. He won an award for that for best stunt choreography. Um, the film itself won six awards between best director, uh, best sound design, um, or best score. A lot of different awards that were won. And yes, it is available um, just about everywhere. You can get it um, anywhere online. You can get it at Walmart. You can get it on Apple iTunes, um, Amazon. You can view it just about anywhere. So it was, and it, and it was by far probably, um, well, it was definitely within my top five favorite films I've ever done. Probably top three. Um, it was fun. I Worked with amazing people behind the camera and in front of the camera. Tori Jones, amazing director, one of my favorite people on the planet. Um, which I do want to say real quickly, since we're talking about that, he's got another one coming up. Um, Angel starts production in October, remember? So everybody should go like that page too and keep a watch out for that one. But yeah, it was, it was great. It was a lot of fun and hopefully, there'll be a sequel to that one too. 
I mean, I can pretty much vouch that it's it's a pretty badass movie as far as slasher flicks go, and it does kind of remind me of the old uh, Halloween feel, the old Friday the Thirteenth feel. So you guys did an excellent job on 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 creating the feeling that I know that you were going for. Now, obviously, I don't know a lot about the project, but I've seen some pretty cool ass pictures that you posted uh, in your wardrobe. But you just got through shooting a, a pilot for, I believe, a television show. Uh, are you allowed to, to talk about that, or is that something that's top secret right now? Um, for Raiden Vapery, out yes. of a lion heart? Yes. Yeah, um, I can talk a little bit about that. That's a That was a TV pilot that um, we just recently shot, and it's basically a, a Viking warrior-style um, project. And stars a lot of great cast in it. Um, uh, one of the main girls, her name is Sol. I cannot pronounce her last name. She's from Norway. It also stars um, Brock O'Hearn, which is a internet sensation. He's known as the Bun Man. He's also done a lot of work for Tyler Perry. Um, so he's pretty big, which helps us all a lot. And then, of course, it stars um, you know, John Wells, James Tackett, Dale Miller, myself, Lion Beckwell, Eric Tyre, a um, whole, bunch, whole bunch of people that I've can't even name them all right now, but it's uh, it's basically a band of warriors who are on a um, a mission to you know save um, some people that have been taken, and they face a lot of crazy things: um, mutants that live in the woods, and and raiders, which are other fighters that we have to fight. So um, it was just the first the first initial pilot that we shot, and. It was very uh, exhausting and grueling and hot, but we had a great time and we made some magic. So that's that's going to be beautiful, and I, I can't wait to see to see that. Um, I don't have any release dates for it yet, but whenever there is a showing or a release of it, it will be definitely posted all over Facebook. I got to be completely honest with you. I get the biggest kick out of seeing a trailer for something like the Wicked one. It's a, that's a big time production and to see you in it. And I'm like, Oh my God, there's my Katie. <laughs> and I think the reason I get so much joy out of it is, you know, we've had a lot of, of actresses uh, talk to us on the show. I mean, we've had yourself, we've had Chanel Ryan, we've had Bo Keister and every one of you guys are working your way up to the ranks. Some of you a little bigger status than others at the moment, but it gives us a chance to get some insight of what you guys actually go through. And I don't think people realize how hard it is to lead a regular life. I mean, all you guys have, for the most part, regular jobs during the day. In your case, I mean, you've got children you're, you're trying to raise. And at the same time, you're trying to get this career off the ground. And, and there, there's some crazy hours that are involved in, in, in making these films because you have to make it fit in with the rest of your, your, you know, your life schedule. Tell me a little bit about uh, some of the craziness that goes on on trying to make these movies. It's, it's a struggle. It's a constant struggle. Um, like you said, I mean, I, I, I work a regular day, a regular day job. I work an eight to five job during the week. I have two kids that I'm raising. Um, so it's, it's very difficult. And, and even though, being a full-time paid actress is the ultimate goal, and it is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Right now, it's a it's a hobby because I can't, you know, I don't make a living at it yet. Um, so it is it is still a hobby, but the hours are just 
it's crazy because basically you have to try to find the time to film projects around your day job and around your children, you know, and, and around your other regular life that you may have. So it's, you know, you work a full-time job and if you can film on the weekends and you'll, you'll film around the clock on the weekends sometimes. Um, and, and sometimes you have to lose time from work. It's the hours can go from, you know, sun up to sundown. They can go from sun up to sundown, take a break, and then you're back at it again till three, four, five o'clock in the morning. Get home at five or five thirty, sleep for an hour or two, get up and go to work all day. Come home from work, change, go to set, do the same thing all over again. I've done that. You know, there's been many a nights where I have filmed till two or three o'clock in the morning, got home, slept for two hours, got up, got ready, went to work, came home, changed, went back to bed, didn't get home till two or three o'clock in the morning. You know, there's been many, many nights, and there's been many times where we've filmed, you know, all weekend long with only two or three hours of sleep if we were under a time crunch. So it's, it's very difficult, and you have to have a true love and a true passion for what you're doing, whether it's in front of the camera, behind the camera, makeup, hair, it doesn't matter. You have to have a real true love for the arts and the love for the entertainment to be able to really pursue anything in this field because that's, that's what it takes. If you don't have that passion for it, you, you'll never do it. If you're just in it to, because you want to get rich and famous, you'll never make it or you won't last. You know, and, and there is a lot of stuff that we have to go through. I mean, I've done, I can't, I've done more productions than I can count and I'm still not in Hollywood or even in Atlanta, you know, at this point. Um, you know, so it, it, you still have to take basically what you can get with the option of still trying to be somewhat particular on what you do. You don't want to do everything that's thrown at you. Um, but a lot of times in the beginning you do, and then, you know, you kind of work your way into where you can actually start to choose the things that you want to do. Um, but it's, it's very difficult. It is, but I love what I do. I love the people that I get to work with. I love meeting new people. Um, I want to direct a project, you know, I want to, I want to learn all aspects of it. So it's, it's a, it's a great thing. When you can do it, it's very hard and trying as long as you have that passion. And, and then you get to have people, you know, say, you know, I knew you back when or I knew you before. I was watching another movie and I just happened to see your movie come up. You know, you get to hear things like that. And those fans are what make it all worth it. I agree. I'm going I'm to ask you a question. And if you don't want to answer, you don't sure. have to, because I'm going to try to make it as in general as possible. But like for these types of movies that you do, uh, let's take like the wicked one or the, uh, the, the pilot that you just shot pay wise for those things. Is that something that's predetermined? Hey, this amount pays a certain thing or is it based on the outcome of the movie sales? Is it, or is it different for each situation? Each situation is different. The, the way that it works with independent film, most independent films are not paid. And if they are, it's on a deferred basis, which means after the film is done and it starts making money, then you get a certain percentage of it. Um, that's how, that's how most, you know, a lot, that's how a lot of them work. 
But then there are ones that will have a small budget to work with and they'll offer you, you know, they'll offer you a certain amount and you either take it or you don't. And then there are other ones who will come right out and ask you, you know, what's your pay rate? And so the, without, you know, without trying to sound cocky or anything like that, I, most people now when they approach me about doing a film for them, they do ask me what's your, what's your day rate? What's your, you know, what would you ask for to do this? And in all honesty, it, it just depends. I have a pretty much set day rate, but I'm always willing to work things out with people, whether it's less or whether, you know, whatever it may be. So every situation is different. It just depends on, it just depends on what their initial budget is. If have no budget, then, then you, then it's set on a deferred basis. I kind of figured that was similar situation. Uh, that's why I want to bring up because it ties into what you were saying just right before that, that if you're doing this to get rich or if you're doing this, uh, for the fame, you know, you're doing it for the wrong reasons because obviously not only are you working your tail off, uh, raising two kids and, and working a day job and then sometimes staying out till all hours of the night to record these movies, you're not getting a big payoff in the beginning for any of these. So, no. you, so you're definitely no. doing it for the love of what you do. Honey, I've been doing this for a good uh, 14, well, 10 to 15. I really, really started, so it's been about 13 years that I've been films on a regular basis and projects. And I'm still, no, I don't get any form of a big paycheck whatsoever. And there are still things that I do for free, depending on, you know, what the project is and who's doing it. If it's a really, really good script and I believe in the person that's making it and their team, then I may possibly do it for free. Um, but no, I, I, you have to have, if you're not in LA or in Atlanta or, you know, a big list celeb, then yeah, you have to have the real passion and love for doing it to be able to put up with some of the crap that comes along with it. But being, that being said, with some of the crap that comes along with it, there is so much better that you get in return that any little bit of crap that you may come across is water under the bridge. You know? Okay, yeah, I just wanted to say from, from one friend to another, you know, I sit back and see what you've accomplished, and I, I couldn't be more proud of you when i when i see these trailers come out of these big time productions and i see you in them i just can't help but to just smile from ear to ear thank you thank you so much that means that means a lot to me and hopefully one day i'll bigger places we'll see but the one thing that i will never stop even if i stay in independent for the rest of my life i'll never stop doing it because it's it's what i love it's what i want so I appreciate your support. Always have. I mean, I think it really is just a matter of time before that right person sees you and, and snatches you up to Hollywood. Because I'm telling you, you, you have a very versatile acting ability. And I mean, I, I've seen you do comedy. I've seen you do horror. I've seen you do some crying scenes where you just totally drug me in to where I, I mean, I was like totally believing everything you went on. So it's just a matter of time for you. Thank you. 
Well, Katie, thank you so much for coming on the show. I greatly appreciate it. I can't wait to see your future endeavors and see the success as it comes your way. Uh, but, but like I said, I, I greatly appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me and, and all of support through the years. You've been great. And but I wish you the very best and we will be talking again soon. I'm sure we'll be seeing you at Scarefest because you go virtually every year. Oh yeah, I'll be there. You keep up the hard work and I promise you we'll keep up the support. We'll see you later, babe. Our little Katie making big splash in the world. <laughs> Congratulations to you, honey. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's really cool, like I said, to be able to see somebody that when you watch one of these big time movies and you see the previews and you see somebody you know on there, it's pretty damn cool. So I'm I'm so happy for next week's show. It's the true story behind the exorcism of Emily Rose, the exorcism of Annalise Michelle. And um, if you haven't heard this story, it is a really cool story. It's different than any other exorcism type story that you're going to hear, uh, mainly because of the ending and some things that went on. But I think you're really going to enjoy this one. I've been waiting to do this one for a while, and uh, it's just kept getting pushed back and back and back. And uh, I think it's time to finally do it. It's a good time during the summer to do a good exorcism show. Oh, well, there you go. Nothing better. So, guys, we love you to death. Thank you so much for giving us a listen again this week. Remember, if you want to buy t-shirts, uh, go to our website. And if you uh, want to donate for the Patreon, you can do that there and uh, go ahead and get you some bonus episodes. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate it. Have a good, safe holiday for those of you in the U.S. And uh, otherwise, if you're outside the U.S., just be safe, period. Yeah. God bless every one of you. We love you guys. And uh, again, have a good Fourth of July.